When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, first and pod. We won't be doing every team every week, every game, because there are no games. But it's our first post-Super Bowl edition episode. It's still year one of this thing. So we're going to figure out our off-season rhythm. We've never done an off-season of this thing. But it's the same thing. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi, Spencer Ray producing. Tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, Pony, the dust has settled from the Super Bowl. We are recording this on uh, the Thursday after. So about five days after the game, the parade uh, has happened. All the coaching vacancies has been filled. We'll get to that. But what post-Super Bowl thing do you think we didn't maybe get to enough on Sunday? I have my answer. Okay. We didn't get to enough on Sunday uh, that you'd like to tackle here as we kind of post-mortem the Super Bowl. The thing we couldn't talk about hadn't happened yet, and that, just from my perspective, has been the way that NFL players reacted to the Juju Smith-Schuster-Bradbury Valentine's Day tweet. And it wasn't just Eagles players. Like, the reaction from the national football media and ex-players of is that really the way you're going to treat a guy at his lowest moment and kick a guy while he's down? I was surprised that so few people wanted to give Juju the benefit of the doubt on that, Danny. And I was even more surprised that no Chiefs players really rallied to defend him in that spot. Like, where were the Chiefs players on Twitter and social media being like, calm down, A.J. Brown, it's a joke. It's like they wanted to stay out of it and basically just let the man fight his battle by himself. And he just got destroyed for it. So Yeah, he did get destroyed. It was a um it was a joke. I think that Chiefs players not rushing to his defense makes sense. They're celebrating winning a Super Bowl and they don't want to amplify what was a corny thing to do. Like I, I felt like a couple things could be true right there. It was corny. But it was funny, but the Eagles players dunked on him, and I completely understand why. Like, A.J. Brown being like, Mahomes saved you. You were out of the league. Uh, Garner Johnson being like, I had more interceptions than you had touchdowns. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they they came at him hard. Uh, I thought A.J. Brown's response was awesome. He was like, hey, man, like, we admitted it was a hold. Let's 
don't don't pour salt basically and then he napalmed him because I, I thought that Bradbury did us all a big solid like I know you were offended to your core about the penalty but it would have been a huge topic and it was already big but it would have been massive if the Eagles would have bitched and moaned about it and I thought that the the backside camera angle that they didn't really show on the TV broadcast showed a pretty clear grab of the jersey. Except so, that backside camera angle also showed a Chiefs offensive lineman grabbing an Eagles defensive lineman by the face mask and a blatant hands-to-the-face penalty. Yeah, man, refs get, refs get things wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they don't they don't make every call. But I – so I didn't think we were more on the refereeing, if anything, because they talked about it during the game broadcast, but I didn't think they talked about it a ton post-game. Um the playing surface is something that I think the NFL needs to address. I understand that it can't be uniform if you're going to have grass. Obviously, it could be uniform if everybody agreed to the same type of artificial turf, but players seem to prefer grass to turf if grass is able to be grown. So I'll defer to the players on that. And then horticulturists say groundskeepers say that you can't grow grass the same in Green Bay, Wisconsin, as in Arizona, as in Miami, as in New York, as in Tennessee. I'll take their word for it. They got to figure out a way to fix that problem, man. Adam Kilgore's reporting in the Washington Post that basically said that they made choices in the two years that they were growing that field for that Super Bowl to do the one that looked the most aesthetically pleasing. And then they painted on top of it. And they basically were playing on ice. Uh, The Eagles players changed cleats, a lot of them, during the game. The Chiefs did not. There was some analysis on dropbacks that Eagles players, there was was at least an Eagles player who slipped on 30, a defensive player, on 35% of Mahomes' dropbacks compared to like 18% for Chiefs players on Jalen Hurts' dropbacks. That's an embarrassment. Like the, I don't know what percent it was the reason for the Eagles having zero sacks on Pat Mahomes. I think their offensive line was great. I thought Andy Reid's game plan was great. Mahomes was obviously a gamer, all of that stuff. But there is zero reason why the playing surface should be 1% of a storyline of a Super Bowl. That's just insane. So every year the competition committee looks at things. They've got to figure out a way to have some league mandated baselines for the playing surface at these stadiums. What was wrong with the Arizona Cardinals playing surface in the regular season? I, I, I don't remember or recall watching any of their games and this being an issue. It's not like they didn't play any games that were nationally broadcast or in prime time they played the bucks late in the year on christmas night and i don't remember any of this stuff happening so why did they go to such extreme lengths to try to put a unique playing surface together for the super bowl that makes no sense to me no they tried it, to fix it, something it that wasn't a problem and but they were bragging about it man they're like we got the sod father we got george toma we consulted with the pga yeah. tour we all these things i honestly if i'm the eagles that's a bigger controversy than the the holding penalty. And I know both teams played on it. I understand that. And 
you prep everything for a Super Bowl and the Chiefs clearly had the right cleat game plan to slip less. But Olsen was calling it out all game. Yeah. They talked about it in pregame warmups that the field was slick. That's just unacceptable. Yeah, and I haven't gotten a satisfactory answer from the league on why that happened yet. The Super Bowl is partly played at a neutral site, so it eliminates stuff like that. That's supposed to be the idea. That yeah. The last game of the year is played, and the weather or the elements or something like that is not an impediment or an advantage for any team or whatever. And clearly in this game, it took away from the quality of game in some way. I mean, it's still 38-35. I think if it's a... If it's a Super Bowl that looks like Rams Patriots or it's a sloppy turnover fest or something like that, like Bears Colts, you know, if it's a game like that, I think it becomes an even bigger deal. Or if a think, star ruptures his Achilles. Yeah, or that. I mean, that's the other way of putting it. Like I mean, that, going, that was what I kept that was what I when when I read that Adam Kilgore piece, I was like, Jesus Christ, like yeah, they were they were playing with fire like that. That was a that was a. I mean, we had we had Odell Beckham Jr. have a non-contact knee injury in the Super Bowl last year. It didn't change anything, you know. I mean, this is. I'm saying like, but like you know, like the players complain about like MetLife and that. Oh yeah, that patch turf that still like six of the stadiums use. So it just is crazy to me that NFL players know what fields are more dangerous than other fields. That should not happen. Yeah. I want to say I, I agree with everything, just about everything that has been said about the decision by Arizona to hire Gannon out of that game as their head coach and the way that it relates back to Biennemi. Like, it's ridiculous that Biennemi only got, like, the Colts head coaching one of, like, a million guys who were interviewed for that job. And... So many people have rightly pointed out why didn't Doug Peterson or why didn't Matt Nagy suffer or why didn't they get docked in their interviews for having Andy Reid really call the offensive plays and run the offenses there and they moved the goalpost for Biennemi and now it's like he's got to go to another team with the defensive head coach and be the offensive coordinator in order to get a head coaching job. I think it is BS. Like, why agree. would you want the guy who coached the defense that got worked over in the Super Bowl over the guy who Andy Reid said he and film study found a deficiency in the Eagles' red zone defense that directly led to us scoring two touchdowns in the game? I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, he's had 15 head coaching interviews, man. So I don't – I mean, there's there's obviously the NFL's historical and present day – embarrassing track record of hiring minority coaches that's obviously a huge part of this there's also he's getting these interviews no one is saying that he's doing a bad job in the interviews but people have like you said moved the goalpost to he's got to go be the offensive coordinator for Washington or he's got to be go be the head coach in college or something like that that's insane I don't think Matt Nagy ruined it for him. Doug Peterson got another shot and looks like he's doing great in Jacksonville. So I don't think it's like the league has turned on Andy Reid disciples. I think it's possible that non-quarterback is part of it. And I think it also gets trickier with the Byron Leftwich situation 
where like Bruce Arians left and the Bucks offense dropped significantly. And I think that in some ways, a lot of the reporting has been out that like Andy Reid just talks up all of his assistants to try to get jobs. He talked up Mike Kafka for the Cardinals gig. Uh, he claimed that Matt Nagy was the play caller ahead uh, of the Bears interview. And that's like since been debunked by reporting. So I think that there is like everybody knows and Andy Reid is now being heralded as, as this like all encompassing genius uh, now that he's won and been paired with Mahomes that I think people are a little bit more hesitant to give the offensive geniuses number two a gig for this offensive genius because it's not that way for Sean McVay. Every Sean McVay guy is getting hired, but they're all white dudes. LaFleur and Zach Taylor. It's it's a travesty that Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a job. And I don't I agree that it hasn't been there very well reported because I, I'd almost feel better if someone was like, the guy sucks in interviews. But no one's no one's come out and said that. No one wants to put their name on anything like that. So but I don't You're I telling me, Adam, you're telling me Adam Gaze interviewed well with the Jets. That's what I'm saying. Two head I, coaching jobs. I dude, I it's it is a total black mark, no pun intended, on the league. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was these the fact that both Eagles coordinators get hired. I know that Gannon I talked to Wanstead about it on the show today. Dave Wanstead, and he he said that he advises all of his coaches, or he advised all of his coaches, like when you're hot, take the job. Like there aren't that many people that can pass up a job and absolutely know that they'll get a job next year or the next cycle or the next cycle. Like you've got to cash your chips in when you're hot. And you saw that Gannon called Kyler Murray elite and he can't wait to go find offensive coaches to hire to build around his skill set. I read that as you're just telling the employer what they want to hear. I think that yeah. people passed on that job because they didn't want Kyler Murray attached to it. But he is attached to it. Yeah, I mean, the, the organization also does not have a great track record when it comes to winning. I know it's been better lately with Arians when he was there. And, um, you know, Ken Wisenhunt before that, they went to the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner. But, you know, they fired Steve Wilkes after one year. They gave up on a first-round quarterback after one year. You know, there's a lot going on. Look at the Kime situation. Yeah. I mean, it's just not really, to me a desirable place if you have options. So I get it. Like I kind of get it, but at the same time, you're telling me like the best they could do is a guy who in Philadelphia, they were talking about as a liability defensive coordinator. Like there's all, there's all kinds of conversation in the Eagles, like in Philadelphia sports talk about how it's addition by subtraction by losing this guy. Yeah, that yeah, they got a lot of sacks. Year, especially. Yeah, I mean, they were eighth in scoring defense. They had a lot of talent. Like, there's a sense there that maybe even that defense underachieved that the defensive coordinator was to blame for it. And if you watch him in the Super Bowl, I guess I can see that more than I could have identified with that a couple of weeks ago for sure. Well, we talked about it though, man. I mean, at least I did in the in the for the Chiefs pick was you know when when he played golf. Scored 35. When they played Dallas, one time he got Cooper Rush. The other time they gave up 40. When they played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers gave up 33 and Rodgers didn't even play the whole game. 
and then didn't really play any other good quarterbacks. And that's not hyperbole. Like th- their schedule was, they, they, they kind of peaked defensively with that Monday night game against Minnesota when Darius Slay owns Justin Jefferson. And then they beat up on the Giants and the Commanders and the Saints and Brock Purdy with no elbow. And I think they were a good defense that was inflated by a horrid NFC and some schedule luck. So I I, I also I'm I'm biased towards offensive coaches always. But so, like, I'll be floored if the Gannon thing works. Yeah, I know. That's how I feel. But the Steichen thing, just conversely, because I thought that Jeff Saturday was going to get the job, the fact that they didn't hire Jeff Saturday and hired an offensive coach makes me think, not that it's a very, not that it's a great organization, but Chris Ballard is widely regarded as very good at his job, even though he's had a bad few years like post Andrew Luck uh, in terms of identifying a quarterback. That's one that I'm inclined to believe is going to work because they waited, they got their guy, they didn't go with the incumbent and they hired an offensive coach. So like just judging these hires, like books by their cover, first blush reaction, that feels like it's the right type of hire. It feels to me like they, they, you were married to somebody and you liked all the traits in that person, and you just wanted to get a younger version of that guy in your second marriage. Like, it's just Frank Reich all over again. It's like almost the identical resume to Reich. And so when that hire happened, I'm like, why didn't they just keep Frank Reich? Okay, so that that's interesting. Frank so- Reich, for, you know, people have gotten on him a little bit, because of the way this year went, look at his win-loss record with a different quarterback every year. It's impressive, in my opinion. To do what he did with Phillip Rivers for one year to make the playoffs, they almost beat Buffalo in Buffalo. He had Carson Wentz at 9-8. and eight. Carson Wentz had 28 touchdowns and seven interceptions there. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett for a year, like... You dumped him and you're like, well, who are we going to get? Oh, another Eagles offensive coordinator who went to the Super Bowl and comes kind of from the same coaching tree. And an cool. arranged marriage with uh, Matt Eberflus. Didn't even get to hire his defensive coordinator or staff. Um, the What's interesting about that is when the Bears fired Nagy, I said, the crazy thing about this is, I still believe in the process that landed them on Matt Nagy. Like it didn't work. He was stubborn. He didn't adjust a scheme to his personnel. And he clearly was like a one trick pony who couldn't do it once he got outside of Andy Reid's shadow and adjust. But I said, I was like, I'd hire Doug Peterson. You know, I, I said, I know they won't. So we basically never talked about it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid disciple, been a head coach, won a Super Bowl, won with multiple different quarterbacks within that system. Like, I think it still is the right type of hire. And so if you're saying he's just Frank Reich, but younger, I get what you're saying. But like, if 
Like the Broncos went and got Sean Payton because they needed credibility. But if they would have gone from Nathaniel Hackett to the and then hired uh, like Ben Johnson, if he didn't go back to Detroit, like the young offensive coordinator from the Lions, like to me, that's the guy you always want to hire. Because if you hit on him, if you hit on the guy that's the yeah. good play caller and the good game planner who can maximize the quarterback, it's by far the most valuable thing in coaching in the NFL. Well, it's just a shame that Bienemy is in this spot. I'm I'm dying for him to get an opportunity because I want to see if he can do it or not. Like, there's not another assistant coach in the NFL who I have more of a curiosity over in terms of what would he look like as a head coach than Eric Bienemy right now. I'd love to. I, I mean, I'll, I'd love to know what someone would say off the record about it. Like, but not a Kansas City person. You know what I mean? Like. How Someone is that interview- story not out there? How is like a Don Van Nata or somebody like that, how have they not done an investigative piece on how this guy, in a in a league that craves offense, he's been associated with this offense for two Super Bowls and five AFC championship runs in, in some capacity, and he's had all these opportunities that people just keep passing him by over and over and over again. Well, I've never seen anything like it. Read- and it's not like people that have coached under Andy Reid haven't worked. You know, this right. isn't, he doesn't have a reputation like Belichick where nobody can recreate it. Some guys have been, I mean, they haven't all been offensive guys, but I mean, Har- John Harbaugh was John on Harbaugh. Yep. Uh, Chico Rivera coached under him. McDermott coached under him. Obviously Doug Peterson. There was, there was three years ago, eight of the 32 coaches in the NFL had coached under Andy Reid at one yep. point. Again, not all to success, but it was, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, but the one thing I would just say like journalistically is it's like, Hey, we already didn't hire him. Now I'm going to smear him anonymously. Like that's a, that's probably a pretty tough story to report. And that would look, that'd be, people would be furious reading a story smearing Eric B. But I think people are demanding answers. So no, I, I understand. I understand that. And and journalism is supposed to be messy sometimes. I'm not saying it's not a worthwhile story. I'm just saying, like, could you imagine Don Van Nata or Dan Wetzel or someone like publishes a story and it quotes four anonymous GMs like crushing Eric B. Enemy? That would just that would not go over well. So I just, I just don't know who's willing to put a quote out there, but it 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 would it would be fascinating. 